Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Digital Spies Soap Scoop. Every week, we sit down to talk to some of your favourite people from the world of soaps before we dig into the biggest spoilers from Coronation Street, EastEnders, Hollyoaks and Emmerdale. Hi, Sophie. How are you? Hi, I am good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. The, the voices you're hearing, sorry, I didn't introduce us, are Sophie, who's a Digital Spies Deputy Soaps Editor, and me, Ali, our Social Editor. Um, yeah, I'm good, thanks, Sophie. We were just saying it's um, it, fully in the swing of lockdown two, battling the kind of winter weather, but apart from that, I can't really, can't really complain too much. I know, I know. I've had a week off this week from work, and we were just saying, you know, there's limited things <laughs> to do, but making the most of it. Yeah, exactly. Um Cool. So this week's interview is um, this, this week's special guest is a bit different. Um, we've got uh, Leon Lopez, who we spoke to a few weeks ago, who you might remember um, from Brookside, where he was um, on the show for a long time. But then also he's kind of um, a mainstay in the world of soaps, isn't he? Really, he's been um, all over the place, and he has directed episodes, and, and now he's kind of working behind the scenes on Emmerdale, EastEnders, and a few other things. I think. Yeah, he's got had his foot in the door, I think, on several shows. He was also popped up in EastEnders in 2016 yes. as Claudette's foster son. So, yeah, I think you'll definitely, if you haven't seen him in something, he'll have worked on something that you watch. I yeah. It. yeah, it was fascinating to talk to him about um, making that transition from kind of being in front of the camera to then directing and doing various things. And he just kind of knows the world of soaps um, really intimately, which is which is quite fun, actually, to kind of get his read on um, kind of the different challenges facing soap actors now versus when he was kind of um, on Brookside and and then and talking a little bit about, about Brookside more specifically, a kind of why he felt it was such an important show at the time and and what the legacy of that's been. So yeah, a really interesting chat, I thought. Yeah, it was really interesting. I learned I learned a lot from him, and he's just a really really fascinating guy with loads of stories to tell, isn't he? Yeah, and and really nice. Like a lot, like everyone we've spoken to for the show, yeah. um, he was really lovely, very chatty, um, good fun. So yeah, without further ado, we'll leave you in the capable hands of us from a few weeks ago, um, and enjoy. Hi, Leon, how are you? Hello, I'm good, thank you, Sophie. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on our Soap Scoop podcast. We're really excited to have you on the show. Oh, thank you for asking me. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been in the soap world on and off for about 22 years, I think since 1999 when you joined Brookside. Um, that's yeah. very impressive. So <laughs> <laughs> what do you think the secret is to your longevity? It's a tough question to kick off with, I know. Um, I don't think there's any secret to any... Uh, I mean, I just... The thing is, I never really... I've never put like any limitations on myself for what I do within work, even though like over the years I've kind of gone from working in like Brookside was my first professional, professional job. And then I've been very lucky as the years have gone on to work on great television shows and then to work in great theatre. And the one thing I've noticed over all of that is there's a lot of stigma in every, you know, the stigma to all, you go into kind of more artsy kind of, you know, off West Endy type stuff and where everyone thinks they're really highbrow and then they look down the nose at you because you used to be in a soap opera and then you know you do musicals and then you looked at a bit better because you're in a soap opera but then when you go to something else they look down your nose because they think you're a musical theatre person and um, I think for me just having an open mind and not be limited 
to what I want to do. I remember when I did a show um, at the Dunmore and like the director at the time was like, oh, would you ever do a soap again? And I was like, well, of course I would. And then he was like, really? But, you know, you're here and then you're working there and you and it was like, for crying out loud, you know, we're all self-employed, struggling artists most of the time. Just to actually have a job is a blessing in this industry, even more so now. So I think like the secret for me is just being the fact to keep an open mind. And when you enjoy something, just do it. Don't worry about what people think and how snobby people can be. You know, it's a, the industry can be really, really tough in that way, especially for people starting out, feeling like they have to conform to kind of fit into a box. And also the industry makes you feel like you have to fit into a box. Certain casting people won't, casting directors won't see people if they've got certain backgrounds or they'll only see people from certain agents and things like that. And, you know, I think there's a lot of laziness in the industry when it comes to things like that. And um, That's super interesting. I just want to jump in because just like speaking from your experience there in terms of the reception you've had from like moving from a soap to doing kind of like say theatre in the West End, is that something you, so basically I'm looking, thinking about um, the movie that you made, you know, five years ago, Soft Lad, um, with Daniel Brockerbank um, and John Labour, who are both obviously have soaps backgrounds as well. Was that something you kind of like were obviously, like you say, much more open to kind of taking people that you knew from kind of the world of soaps because you knew that the stigma that was there and could be avoided? Again, it was like, you know, Johnny hadn't done any act. He'd just come straight out of college. He'd, I think yeah. he'd done like one production, uh, theatre production. So it was actually doing Soft Lad when his agent came to see when we did the screening of Soft Lad, which is what started putting him up for more television oh, stuff. Right. So he kind of got his tenders off the back of like the Soft Lad stuff. Oh, so cool. where, and Dan, again, Dan never got Coronation Street off the back of it, but he, he didn't do he got it off the back of him being Dan Brockerbank for. <laughs> he hadn't he hadn't been cast in Coronation Street. They both got cast after we'd finished oh, rapping. Right. So um but again it's like I don't have that thing of, for me. I find somebody if I'm working with people and I get on with them and they're right for the part and whatever, you just get that connection, you feel an energy for it. It's not like because this person's done this or this person's done that. If you have someone who's got a good profile, like having Dan in Softlad really helped sell Softlad because he had a massive profile before. But I met Dan from, I was acting in a short film with him and whilst I was on the short film, I was talking about the project. And this was before we had any money. It was probably about three years before we even filmed it and he read the script, said he liked it and if I got a chance to do it, he'd be up for it. And that's kind of how that happened. But again, it's like, I always, whenever I make something of my own that's not like a mainstream television type thing, then I'm always, I usually write stuff with people in mind. And a lot of the time, the people who are around me tend to have been over the years, a lot of musical theatre type people. And there is a struggle, you know, I started a sideline business making showreels for people, which is kind of what got me into direct, well, it kind of helped me hone my directing skills. And again, I was aiming it at all of the amazing people who I'd worked with in musical theatre who just struggled to be seen by people. Because at the time, you know, now self-made showreels are standard, but there was only one guy in North London who was doing it over here. And I'd gone to LA at the time because I was considering moving over there to for acting. And there was a few companies doing it over there. So I just looked at what they were doing and what equipment they were using and kind of tried to copy that model over here. And um, again, working with amazingly talented people uh, writing stuff for them so I got to work on my writing skills and then I got to work on my lighting skills and you know I managed to st I was getting paid to do it so I could employ people who you know and help build up other people's careers as long as well as my own and now it's amazing like I keep I watch the I watch soaps I watch dramas and I keep seeing people who I did showreels for years ago and I'm like oh I did theirs and oh I did theirs and that's really nice and kind of empowering and there's a couple of people who I worked with who were well established in theatre who I did the showreels for and then they went on to secure you know television contracts and again there was one of the girls I'm not saying her name but she sent me a message a few months ago saying you know thank you so much if it wasn't for you I wouldn't be doing this and I was like well it's not me it's your talent that's done it but it's like it makes me feel really happy when yeah. you just kind of have success yeah. stories like that that's so nice yeah. and Brookside especially like it's remembered for being quite groundbreaking and tackling lots of big storylines and really being the first soap to do that. So is that something you're proud of, like to be part of that? A hundred percent. I mean, it's a legacy that's kind of follows me to this day. And at the time, the, the lovely thing about it was you don't didn't have a clue. You know, I'm a little kid from Liverpool, eh? Toxtiff, do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, I've got my mum and my brothers and like they're my biggest champions and, you know, my family are always behind me. And it was a case of like, I was just 
thankful to be working. I mean, I come from kind of doing a paper round practically, well, that's <laughs> part-time job collecting glasses to like earning an awful lot of money and traveling the world on my own and doing all these things. And it was like, it gave me access to a world that I knew was out there, but I never would have been able to experience. Do you know what I mean? It's like, mm. but then off the back of that, you know, even I was there towards the end of the show, but the story like we dealt with, I even think like my character and Suzanne Collins who played my girlfriend we were one of the first like interracial couples on television and I didn't know that someone told me that later on and I was a bit yeah. like in soap world there was hardly there was never really that, really? like we were one of if we weren't the first we were one of the first which you think yeah. is a bit random to kind of nowadays looking back you know it was massive racial storylines about race relations which is very relatable to what's going on today and it's kind of that was like a big big thing it's like having been able to do like having affairs all these random things that you'd never normally get to do or whatever um and being part of storylines that were just challenge people's perceptions you know you're going out at like the television show is going at what seven thirty, eight o'clock you know going out to a wide mainstream audience but you're, you're tackling really taboo things and not just for the sake of people might say you know it might be to get attention or whatever but no it's the same way i feel like hollyoaks has kind of continued the legacy in a way because it, they're actually dealing with stuff that other shows are afraid to speak about yeah. you know what i mean it's like there's that kind of and also maybe not even necessarily afraid but the audiences for the other shows are very comfortable where it is whereas when you've got something that is on channel four not as much today but especially back then they could kind of push the boat out a little bit more and get away with a little bit more be a little bit more dangerous and just spark conversation you know it's like yeah it was i'm very proud to have been part of it I think it's, um, like you say, especially Channel 4, but like, you know, soaps on their best days are about, like everyone always says, about holding a, holding a mirror up or saying, you know, like, this mm. is happening, you know, what you, if, and now it's happening in your living room, so have that conversation. Yeah. And so, yeah, and the legacy of Brooks, I think, is definitely that. Being, and also... Being prepared to have that conversation. Well, also to make you feel, to make sure people that you're not alone because we're watching them on soaps and just because they're not affecting us, there's lots of people out there that those things yeah. are affecting. You know, it's like... So I think being able to watch something and tune into something, knowing that millions of people are watching it and go, oh, wow, actually, I'm not the only person that's going through this. I'm not the only person suffering with domestic abuse. I'm not the only person suffering with, you know, racial hatred from my neighbours. I'm not the only, you know, so it's like, if you don't see it, sometimes you can feel like you're the only person experiencing yeah. it. And I think the beauty of soaps is the fact that people get to realise that, oh, wow, I'm not alone. And I can actually reach out and speak to people who I can go out there and speak to. So I think, uh, and I think that gets lost a lot of the time because people, you know, put soaps down for being too every day but actually every day is something that we all need because some people are very lonely and some people are on their own and their only outlet is watching the soap operas yeah. of of an evening time so it's, yeah, like, it's like yeah no it's like a comfort blanket isn't it i think it's there in your room and you feel like it's something that you can rely on sort of day Definitely. in day out you, yeah um speaking about kind of the, your time your time in brookside and, and kind of the role of soaps now do you think is there anything you kind of when you look out across like Soapland, let's say, like what are the kind, what would you say, are kind of the big differences, either in terms of the storylines or, or the kind of the production of things, compared to you know when you when you kind of started on the show back in the late nineties, like what what kind of the big differences there? I don't really feel like there's any differences. I think the only differences today is just the technical values have changed slightly. But I think as in the content and the stuff that's in there, it's like I feel if anything since Brookside has gone, other soaps have kind of come up to that whole you know they're not afraid of the danger as yeah. much and i think there's a little bit more freedom for people to push the boat out a lot more and you know maybe i didn't watch as much of the other so i watch a lot more soaps now because i'm directing you know three sure. of them but it's like <laughs> it's kind of so but i do feel like I, I i feel like the thing with the soap opera is you always have to be telling the story of the times that you're in and i think yeah. you know in the 90s and 2000s those show, the shows were saying what life was like then and I feel like now they are you know it's like you know we've just gone through Covid it'd be a bit insensitive for all the soaps to not actually have a mention of it and yeah. I feel it's you know I'm working on Emmerdale now as a director and it's like they were the first to go back after COVID and they were, you know, they did the whole COVID episodes to kind of, you know, show people going into lockdown yeah. and they're still trying to keep true to it. You know, we have meetings every day about, you know, should you be wearing a face mask in this one? Should you not? Because it's like, it's a representation of the world that we're in. And, you know, yeah. in 20, 30, 40 years time, people can look back and actually see 
what we were all going through through the lens of like soap operas so i'm um, getting back to the original question i don't feel like much has changed in the structure of it you know soap opera is still kitchen sink drama people around the house you know that everybody can kind of relate to in some way um and i feel like most soaps are kind of sticking true to that no. um yeah i think it's interesting like especially with the kind of covid situation there's almost this other role because soaps are so kind of um they're everywhere and they are in people's living room living rooms they are there every day like there's almost some soaps i think have taken on this double role as well of there's there's almost like um a public health responsibility thing going on there as well where actually it's massively beneficial to see people social distancing in a soap at a time when people should be social distancing yeah. i think that's there's something really valuable in that and it, it's testament to how kind of not just popular but important they, they can be yeah was well, a duty of care it's similar to like the medical profession i mean it's just <laughs> sub comparing soaps to the medical profession i could see that a headline but it's like you know when people are watching something there is a duty of care in the same way that you know if somebody if somebody's pregnant on a show and then someone's delivering a baby there's lots of research that goes into you know how it should be written how it should be how the midwife needs to be what they should say because you can't say anything outside of the box and that goes for anything whether it's a medical show or a soap or you know standard drama if something's going to be broadcast on television there's lots of things that are in place to make sure that those things you know compliance rules and things like that so it's like a lot of it is to make sure that people don't go you know you're not going to put something in a soap opera that is so far-fetched that somebody yes. can do and damage themselves and i think yeah. there's a responsibility behind that and that's why you have so many people like it was interesting a couple of years ago when i first started directing hollyoaks i'd like worked on the show or the spin-off show as an actor and for the first time i just saw how much acting actually went into it and the amount of people <laughs> and people who you'd walk past all the time and didn't know what they did and you're like bloody hell that's there's so much yeah. that so actors it, don't see it takes you know, town, right? it's that's literally like an iceberg it's like the tip of it and i think us as actors we kind of get lost in the whole thing because we are the kind of the face of the front of it but you, it's the most minute minuscule <laughs> part of it without no disrespect to the actors it's like i kind of see we uh, i think every single role and the more i've gone into production the more i've made me realize it it's like every single role within that studio whether it's anything you know even down to the fact of like keeping the sets clean even more so now during times of covid which is like the difference between like life and death in some cases it's like without one without one of those departments there without one of those people there to do that job the show could not go on and or potentially could go on but it wouldn't go on within the same quality in the same way and it's like i think and i get why people at home a lot of the time think that the actors are the show which of course they are they're a massive part of it but it's like the amount of things underneath it that people don't even when i started directing they go oh people go oh great great so you know did you write that story that goes I'm like no i didn't write it i directed it. okay but did you write that bit with no 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 i didn't no not write directed it oh so what does the director do and i'm like oh i don't i don't think i'm ready for this conversation it's like they just see steven spielberg or whatever and they think because of like they think the hollywood idea of yeah. what the director is in you know soap directing from film directing is different soap drama from drama from soap operas directing slightly different you know there's a they're all they've all got their own skill sets to it but you know um i've gone off on a tangent there no Don't no it's, well, we, i think i think uh you know we were going to talk to you about that making that transition from from acting in a soap to directing it. i think you've hit the nail on the head right is that you don't understand the scale of of, of mm. work that goes into a production until you're kind of actually behind the camera as it were yeah yeah I've got a um, question for you though. Have you ever had to direct people who you've acted alongside in the past? So we were thinking, yeah, about, um, of course. Yeah. Alex Fletcher from Hollyoaks. Yeah, he played oh, okay. um, Jackie. She played Jackie Dixon. In, so she was the very first scene that I directed in Hollyoaks. wasn't actually from one of my episodes, and she was in it. And I was like, ah, it was mad, <laughs> very surreal. Um, and then who else? I have. So Mark Womack, who was just in Emmerdale, we worked together yeah. on something before and there's probably quite a few when I speak about, like in my own productions, nearly everybody who's in any yeah. of my short films are people that I've acted with usually. So um, yeah, and they kind of, it kind of helps when they do know you as an actor because they know that I'm, 
I'm not quite right in the head. So I'm thinking, <laughs> <laughs> so I can kind of think, and they seem to um, keep, like, I don't speak in full sentences when I'm directing, I kind of go, you know, mm, and then, you know, he does, mm, and then, mm, mm. one of the crew came up to me the other day on set and they were like, oh, you used to be an actor, right? I said, yeah, I said, I can tell by the way you speak to the actors. So I was like, you know, because she does this and then when she goes, ah, and then, ah, ah, and people are just thinking, who the hell is this psychopath? But actors get it, you know what I mean? Yeah. But then the same, yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. But then I think in the same way, because I've been behind the camera and I've off camera operated and all my own stuff, I used to have to edit and light and whatever. So I can have a bit of a conversation with like the camera people and the DOPs and the sound. The best thing I ever did, I think, was have no money because it made me have to <laughs> learn all the different disciplines. So now when I'm on yeah. set, I kind of have an appreciation for most of the different departments. So, um, yeah. <laughs> um, we were speaking earlier um, off mic about, uh, you know, it's... Uh, uh, nowadays, I think we're moving to a place where there's more support systems in place for kind of soap actors or in, and, and actors and, and, and kind of celebrities and people who are in, in the public eye a bit more. I think mm. due to lo for lots of reasons, people are kind of realizing that actually, you know, mental health and well-being and making sure that people who who are especially like in social media are kind of being uh, under such close scrutiny all the time. Um, was that something that you kind of you were aware of when you were on Brookside and, and earlier, or was it just not? You think it's a conversation that starts to happen more now? It was a very different world then. I mean, we're only talking 20 years ago, but it's very different to what it is now. I mean, I'm on social media. I'll, you know, I'm on Twitter, Facebook, the standard things, but it's like those types of things are tools to be used in your life. But sadly, they're not, they're not being used as tools. They're being used as, you know, an extension of people's lives. And with that comes an awful lot of heartache, an awful lot of pain. It's like I was around just at the time. You know, the internet wasn't very old when I was first in Brookside, but you know, chat rooms, I remember people sending me links to chat rooms where people are posting pictures of me saying nasty things and I'm quite thick skinned. And yes, sometimes I hit, did I ever cry about it? Probably not. But it's like, if I was being bombarded by a hundred thousand people, all day would it affect yeah. me of course it would you know i choose now to kind of turn off to the things but i think again there's a duty of care from these shows and i think a lot of them do a lot of the soaps i know that especially hollywood's being a young show i think there's places and resources that they provide to a lot of the young actors but for me back then i was very lucky that i was working with amazing older actors who you know were like get yourself a mortgage, make sure your taxes are being done. All the basic things that they don't yeah. really teach you. And then, you know, there was kids that I knew who were acting, who were, you know, filing for bankruptcy at like 16, 17, because they didn't realize that. So it's like those type of things. I think people are a lot more savvy now because of social media, but then also the social media can control a lot of, when it comes to actors, a lot of actors are tailoring the performances around social media because people have said they don't like certain things that the characters do. And it's a bit like, well, that's your character. But then mm -hmm. to say that, if I was if I was acting in a show like that now, would I be affected by it? I'd probably take myself off it a lot more. Um, I'm quite outspoken and verbal. I'd probably be arguing with people a lot more. <laughs> I mean, I still do. But it's like, I did suffer with it a little bit, as I say, through like various chat rooms. And again, like I was, I'm gay and I wasn't publicly out when I first started in shows. You know, I wasn't even out to myself, never mind publicly. But again, it's like I'd go places as a gay man. You know, I had a bit of money. I'd travel around to Europe and people would spot me who might. I could be a little bit more anonymous around there. But mm. then I'd still get people who send me messages saying that I should be doing certain things as a gay man that I wasn't doing. And it was like putting lots of pressure on me and yeah. things like that. And But there was the pressure from the media. Should I be publicly gay? Should I not be publicly gay? You know, people, magazines that wanted to do articles if I didn't come out and papers threatening to and all those things but to do that under the man the microscope yeah. of today be a nightmare so yeah i think i think social media is a very different beast isn't it these days and yeah. people forget that there's people behind behind these um instagram pages and, and Twitter mm. pages. yeah but then i, I think the people people who run the pages themselves the actors the performers or whatever also need to be mindful of that as well and be you know if you're going to put yourself out there put yourself out there knowing that you're going to be scrutinized put yourself if you're going to put, put pictures up there put pictures up there knowing that people some people are going to love them some people are going to hate them it's easy enough to say but a lot of the time actors are no different from everybody else it's like they're just normal people just in the public eye but you are 
and with that comes insecurities and most actors are probably more insecure than the general public because the, you know you put yourself out there for validation a lot of the time to kind of be told I know that I did I'd perform and think oh I just want someone to tell me that I'm good and then when everybody else is not saying that you're good then you feel like you've done something wrong and you take it personally it can be really really painful it's a not a nice place to be but again it's not that anyone should give sympathy to anybody or not I don't believe in you know being you know, overly sympathetic because then people will be like well they've got good jobs they've got good money what no we just all need to be mindful that we are all human beings and when you're saying something to somebody just think of somebody saying that to you and if you wouldn't like it then don't say it but people aren't that savvy people aren't that wise they do it because they want to hurt somebody ultimately the trolls you know the people who are online saying all these things they want to hurt people they want to get a reaction because they find validation within that and that's another issue that's another mental health topic that should be dealt with separately you know how do we target those people who are so insecure that they feel they need to bring everybody else down and like you know potentially risk people's lives i think it's i think it's the thing spot on and like you said it is younger actors it's, it's people who are like entering the public eye at a young age and that it, then it can be really kind of impactful and, and and that's when it you know if you haven't developed a thick skin for whatever reason or you don't you haven't haven't needed to develop a thick skin it kind of that's when it can you know really do do the damage have yeah. a long-lasting impact can't it but i advise like lots of people now i teach at drama school i teach at a couple of drama schools and like i work with young people who are just getting into the industry and also I work with people who are even younger and people say what's your advice for young actors and i'm like just wait till you're older of course there are parts that are meant you know young you need young people in television you need young people in theatre but it's not a place for young people to be and I always question like when people are doing it I've worked with some amazingly talented people and you can't dispute that but it's like just be truthful with yourself why do you want it why do you really want it why and I think a lot of the time will people will mask the idea of why they want something over you know wanting to be a great actor when in reality they don't want that it's either want going after attention or it's going after and also parents as well who are pushing the kids into stuff like that it's like why do you I get parents messaging me and it's a bit like why are you messaging me oh my child's this and my child's that it's like it's not about your child it's about you ultimately but your child's mental health your child's well-being should override anything than being on some television show it's that it doesn't matter that much to actually risk some you know because there's a lot of issues that can mess about with people's mental health and i think people don't take they'd rather somebody recognize them off the front cover of a magazine you know than ugh, i don't know it's just yeah. ugh, horrible <laughs> that's quite dark <laughs> um, very quickly before we wrap up i just want to quickly touch on eastenders because you played Claudette's foster son, Linford, in 2016. So what are your memories of that time? And would you have liked to have stayed for longer? Or um, did you think it was... Well, again, it was like what I said with the Brookside thing. It was kind of... I was contracted for... I knew what I was contracted for. I was contracted for... I can't remember how many episodes it was. And it was all... Basically, the character that I played was... I don't even know... It was to bring in um, Jack's character. I can't remember his name. But Jack's the real actor. He's my friend. He played... The Andy the Builder. So that basically, it, yeah, yeah. he that the, the purpose of that character was to bring in, to, was to bring in that character. And again, it's like there was talk of wood, but I remember like there was lots of things. That I can't say, but <laughs> not bad. But basically, my friend who writes for EastEnders was constantly trying to get me seen for stuff. And I honestly think that they just give me the part to shut, to shut my friend up because I didn't audition for it. I just got a call one day saying, "Do you want to go and do these eight episodes of EastEnders?" I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> and I phoned my friend. friend said, did you get me that job? He went, no. He said, I was putting you forward for the other parts. And then I think they just were like, shut up. There's something <laughs> gets up back in my head. So, um, but it was, mm. a, you know, I loved the opportunity to do it. It's like the cast there were really nice. It's so fast when you work in multi-camera. Because before that, I'd, I hadn't directed a soap. So my own experience was like Hollyoaks in the city and like Brookside. And they're all single camera shows and it's a longer day and it's a little bit more intensive. Whereas there, you literally turn up, cameras are set, you get your block and you do it. You know, you're in and out in no time. So there's a little bit of interaction with some of the cast members and they were all lovely. And, you know, some people recognised me from other stuff and they were all really sweet. And there was a couple of people who I'd worked with before. But, you know, you're working on a massive institution. I remember the very first episode went out and like literally I was thinking, God, do I want to go through this again? Like, you know, you just got everybody's comment yeah. you're like oh god i've had 10 years of just like <laughs> trying to blend in and now i'm thinking oh <laughs> but you know to kind of it was a, a little box that i ticked off yeah. and would i do it again yeah that i've never turned anything down of a good opportunity you know it's like it was lovely great 
Um, yeah, well, I think what, what a good, happy note to end on. Um, thank you so much, Leon, for coming in. Coming no, in. Thank, thank you so much, you. Leon, for talking to us. Um, no, really appreciate welcome. the time. Um, lots of interesting stories. Um, and yeah, thank you so much. And we shall thank speak you. to you soon. No, thank you very much. Nice to meet you guys. See ya. And you. Take care. Bye. And there you go. Um, we hope you enjoyed our chat. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Leon, um, we certainly enjoyed speaking to him. Um, and yeah, like we said at the beginning, some really interesting things there, um, especially around um, kind of the issues of well-being and, and, and things like trolling um, that actors kind of, in soaps face currently um as well as more generally like the changing kind of soaps landscape um it's always interesting to hear someone's perspective on those things and i think he has a really unique take um, on lots of issues yeah absolutely and like you said just now he's just a really nice guy as well yeah definitely okay so this part of the show um we're going to dig into the biggest spoilers um for the week ahead for various shows um so these are spoilers um for episodes that'll be running from the 16th to 20th of november um, and I think we shall start with EastEnders. Yes. So the big story in EastEnders next week is this very bizarre Mitchell slash Cat mm. slash Shirley story that we, which we sort of alluded to last week, I believe. And yeah, they're sort of going to join forces to do this criminal job, which involves stealing classic cars from a cleaning firm that, no, a firm that Cat is cleaning at. Yes. So, yeah. yeah, it's um, it's a tricky one. I mean, we don't have loads of details for kind of what what to expect from it. I think it's um, we we said a few weeks ago, you know, we're very excited to see um, Cat and Phil team up to do something. It's it's bound to be funny. I mean, the scenes that we've had between them already have been um, pretty hilarious. Um, and Cat kind of pushing all of Phil's buttons was really fun to watch. So I think their chemistry is good, and you know, it's hard to it's hard to beat the, the kind of combo of um, Phil, Shirley, and Cat on screen. Like it's a pretty pretty powerful dynamic to watch yeah absolutely i think the character combination like you say is great but i definitely think there's an argument where there's a bit of like viewer fatigue when it comes Mm. to the mitchells constantly getting involved in dodgy business and then spending loads and loads of episodes in the lead up discussing it and you know backwards and forwards it's on it's off it's on it's off um so it kind of feels a little bit repetitive but i think because we've got cat involved because shirley's also involved and because it's such a great combination of, of different characters who don't usually interact i think it could be i think it could be quite good yeah i think that's i think that's definitely true i think it's definitely true for f- the mitchells at the moment like i think more generally think about like callum's storyline and various things um and i wonder whether it's maybe it's a symptom of kind of the current code filming situation where it does feel like a few storylines um 
across the soaps are kind of treading water a little bit as they kind of work out how to pace things. Um, but hopefully, yeah, Kat and Shirley's involvement will kind of give the storyline a bit of oomph um, and I'm sure we'll get some um, great one-liners out of them. And I, I also think it's interesting, um, we're seeing, especially in EastEnders, I think, across all the sites really kind of the pieces being moved into place um for yeah. some of the big, bigger christmas storylines um which we'll talk about a, li- a little bit later but the i think the things here with like shirley and gray um and kind of gray's involvement in the mitchell's legal things like you can start to see i think where these storylines will cross over and we'll kind of hopefully get some some explosive things going on as we move towards the end of the year yeah, definitely. I mean, like, I think, like you say, we are on the home straight to Christmas. A lot of these stories that we're seeing now are going to really come into force, like December through sort of the festive season. And obviously, with this cat, Phil, criminal malarkey, <laughs> we've also got Kush involved, and we yes. know that he is leaving like early next year. So there's yeah. that element too, which I think makes it all the more intriguing. Definitely. Um, and then speaking of um, kind of uh, new dynamics and breaths of fresh air returning to the square, um, something that we're all really excited about, I think, um, for next week is the return of Kim Fox. Um, she is coming back uh, to kind of help Denise out, I think, and kind of be a, a shoulder for her to cry on after her and Jack's um, breakup. Um, and yeah, I'm really excited to have her back on our screens, to be honest. Yeah, I love her. And Tamika's great. She's been on maternity yeah. leave for the last year. And I just think she's needed, really. She's a breath of fresh air. She's funny. She's straight talking she's just what denise needs yeah right now, 100%. With everything going on yeah yeah and i good. i think um yeah we know she's gonna be good fun i mean the photos the spoiler pictures that we've seen <laughs> of her return she's in this like head-to-toe tartan outfit it's just she's just guaranteed to be um kind of bring some comic relief especially at a time when like i say with denise we kind of it's interesting we haven't really seen much of denise's side of the, the raymond story we've kind of seen um phil's desire to get Raymond back was kind of the dominating thing um, in bringing that storyline to the surface. And we kind of seen Denise and Jack break up off the back a bit, but we haven't really seen much of her motivation or how she's really feeling beyond a few scenes where she kind of talks to Raymond and Raymond like looks away. So it should be, it should be good to have Kim there, I think to kind of um, tease out some more of that, that story. Cause I think it's, it's been lacking. Yeah, definitely. I think what we really want to see, well, what I really want to see is like, Denise's reasons for doing this U-turn regarding Raymond and hopefully mm. Kim will sort of engineer that because I don't really understand because she didn't want him yeah. back. You know, she gave him up for adoption. It's a really difficult decision. Kim, interestingly, at the time, did consider um, yeah. bringing him up as her own. So that's quite an interesting dynamic. But I think Kim should really push Denise further forward in the story because I think, like you say, it's been a bit dominated by the Mitchell, somewhat yeah. unnecessarily, I think you yeah. could argue. So yeah, I think um, pushed forward. I, we've spoken. I mean, we don't. I don't want to rehash our ground, but I think a, f- a few weeks now we've spoken about. I think everyone, in kind of these senders audiences, is thinking about the the amount of Mitchell exposure and are we getting too much and do they need to be in kind of all of the hands in all of these pots? And this is a case where it'll be nice to have the camera pointed firmly at um, Denise's um, kind of home life for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's a Denise. Fo- it feels like a Denise focus story to yeah. me. So it'd be really good to ha- actually have the focus on her <laughs> yeah. and. I think, you know, we've got Lucas coming back, we've got Chelsea coming back. So I think yes. there's, I think, you know, we can rest assured that that is the plan moving forward. But yeah, I think Kim will be, will be a really good addition to yes, definitely. the future. Yeah. And then speaking of um, the future, the final thing I guess to talk about with EastEnders is this, uh, I'm going to, I don't, this, this ongoing situation, let's say, between Linda and Max. Um, we're shaking our heads. You can't and, uh, see us, but we are. Head in hand. Um, <laughs> we kind of, this week we're going to get more signs of Linda and Max getting closer. Maybe Sharon's going to kind of, I think, get wind of this and try and intervene. Because I think obviously, she, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a very, it's, it's a funny one to have Sharon lecture you about infidelity, but there we go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How do we feel about the Linda and Max stuff, Sophie? How are you, what's your take on it? I mean, I just, I just don't really believe Linda would go there after everything that they've been through. And, you know, we had Max, not Max, sorry, Mick's little dalliance with Whitney a few years ago and it nearly broke them up. And I just don't really buy it. But I think at the same time, you've got to remember that Mick is acting very distant and she doesn't know why. And she just sort of, I think Max is offering something that maybe he isn't at the moment. Yeah, I I I think you're spot on. I think it's that. At first, I think it is a bit of a weird weird one but it does make sense when you think about the distance that Mick's kind of putting between him and, and everyone else and obviously that storyline is really important and, and we're seeing it develop but it's obviously a long 
it's taking a long time to to come to fruition. Um, and so I think that in that inter inter intervening time, um, we'll see yeah some some development from Linda. But it's a shame we don't, you know it's uh, it's not something we want to see. Like they're a great couple, Linda and, and Mick. Um, I do wonder whether the, this will be one of Max's kind of final stories because yeah. we know that obviously Jake Wood is leaving soon. Um, so yeah, maybe this will come into to play into that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it goes back, again, we're rehashing your ground a little bit, I know, but it goes back to a conversation we had a few weeks ago about Vanessa and mm. Charity and, you know, how not every soap couple has to cheat. Like, you don't, you yeah. know, they don't have to always go down that road. And I think no. Mick and Linda have always been very solid and they, they've never and really... And they've got other stuff. Them. Exactly. Like they have really into it. No, they've got lots of other issues and like you said with the Whitney thing like part of the reason that storyline was so like uh was because like that's just not what we expect from Mick so yeah we'll see how it all how it all shakes out I'm sure it'll be interesting let's hope Sharon can can, can stop <laughs> I mean, before it gets started do but... I want Letitia Dean in more scenes yes so at the end of the Absolutely. day I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna be mad about it we'll um, take it yeah exactly right okay so that's everything for EastEnders shall we take a look over at Coronation Street Yes, it's, a, it's another big week on Coronation Street. Mm. Let's start with this discovery about Ray. So yes. Ray's got this master plan for the cobbles, which is all building up to the 60th anniversary, which we keep talking about, I know, but it's really getting close now. Like yeah, three definitely. Three weeks away, I think, aren't yeah. we? Yeah, like, very, very close. So he's got this plan. It's not a good one. It never is. <laughs> Craig discovers a little bit about what's going on. Yeah, I, th I mean, it's... Yeah, it's a it's a it's a funny one. I think we're the kind of the overarching thing here is that we're, more people are kind of becoming wise to to raise master plan, like you said, and it's it hopefully you know some 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 something's got to give. Um, and there's some other interesting stuff here around um, you know Ray's interactions with Faye, um, and obviously he's um, offering like he's bringing her in, bringing her in, and offering a big part. But it's kind of which we know is to keep Craig on side, but also. You know, obviously, Ray's got this history of um, sleaziness, so it's it's probably not a good place for Faye to be, um, if we're being honest. But it's all kind of like you said, it's all it's all coming together um, ahead of the sixtieth. Yeah, the Faye thing is definitely a little bit icky. And then he says to Craig, "I'm gonna I'll sack her if you don't, yeah, you know, keep quiet about what you know." So it's putting Craig in a Craig in a difficult position because obviously he's got these feelings for Faye. He wants the best for her. Faye's excited about this new job that she's been offered, which I think is trainee manager, isn't it? Across all the yeah. So yeah, it'll be it'll be it'll be interesting. But like you say, yeah, this is heading somewhere big, catastrophic. Um, and then the other thing, um, so the other two storylines. The first one, I guess, to, to really flag is the um, we're going to kind of the big. I guess the big storyline um, that's coming up um, is around um, Peter. Um, so unfortunately, we're going to see um, Peter kind of start drinking again as he relapses um, from his alcoholism. Um, this is a int really interesting storyline, obviously for lots of reasons. Um, you know, this uh, Peter being an alcoholic has been such a big part of his story for such a long time. Um, his drinking problem goes back over a decade, um, and it's a really interesting thing, I think, for them to pick up again ahead of the 60th anniversary. Um, so yeah, yeah, definitely. And like over the past few years, we've really seen Peter as the knight in shine shining armor for others, like Toya, Carla, Abby. So I think. To have him on the back foot again, to have him more vulnerable, it's going to be, you know, the big question is whether Carla's going to step up yeah. and support him or whether it will be Abby, because we know that Peter and Abby have got a big part to play in the anniversary again. So again, it's warm, really warming all these anniversary stories up for December. Yeah, and it's been it's been a you know it's been a rough a rough time for like everyone on on Coronation Street recently. Mm, um, and this this situation I think is going to shake out. It's going to there's going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back. I think with Peter is going to be um, he gets his cab stolen um, and gets attacked, and then kind of that leads on this kind of downward spiral where even though he knows he shouldn't be drinking again, he kind of has a drink, um, and that kind of like we said spirals out into lots of other things. Uh, which is yeah, it's it's interesting, it's, and it's it's an in interesting follow-on from everything that we've seen um, with the Oliver story and Leanne, and kind of how it's all building up and, and impacting everyone really. Yeah, that's how it kicks off, I think, because yeah. they have an argument over Steve and his um, the part he plays yeah. in that. But you know, interestingly, Chris, who plays Peter, is really really dedicated to the story, and I think yeah. he's even said in previous interviews that he'd be, you know, he wouldn't be against Peter being killed off 
from alcoholism yeah. or due to alcoholism, which, you know, really does show his commitment to the story. Yeah, I think it's... Um, I, I, one of the great things about... Um, this is a bit of a tangent, but bear with me. I think one of the great things about... one, Yeah, we do. One of the great things about Soaps is that you get to see character development over a long a long time um, in a way that you don't with other other kinds of shows, right? And so here, Peter Barlow is a character that we've people have got to know, got to know for more than a decade. And, and something like alcoholism and addiction is not something that goes away. We know, like, in, in kind of a short time or immediately, or, or for some people ever, it's a kind of constant battle. And so to see... Peter deal with this for kind of year after year and it kind of he go, goes away and he relapses I think is a really um, interesting thing a really interesting benefit of soap storytelling because it allows you to kind of have that long-term view on things and I think like Chris Gascoigne said like you're talking about he he knows that that alcoholism is not just something they can kind of put on a shelf and be like Peter's dealt with that now it's always going to come back and it's um, for Peter anyway and so yeah I think I just think that's really interesting. It's going to be, you know, a tough, a tough watch. But yeah, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be really, really good. Yeah, another tough watch for Coronation Street um, viewers. Um, and then, a, a slightly, I'm um, still tough for some fans, but slightly less tough, um, definitely is the last thing we want to talk about. Coronation Street is the um, ongoing kind of Todd Billy pool situation, um, where we're going to see, uh, you know, Todd's come back. We've seen him kind of meddling in things, um, and that's going to carry on next week. Um, so we're going to see more of him trying to befriend Paul. Obviously, we know that there's kind of ulterior motives there. Um, and I think lots of people, us included, are, you know, we feel sorry for Paul, really. We feel sorry we for do. Paul and Billy. Like, we want them to be happy, ha- have a happily ever after, but it does not look like that's what Todd wants at all. No, it's all a bit Shakespearean, isn't it? Yeah. And... Interestingly, we did a poll on the Digital Spy website and most fans are in favour of Billy and Paul staying together over Billy and Todd. So I think it makes that. sense. I think I, <laughs> I think as much as we like, you know, as much as people um, like Todd's character, we, we've seen Billy and Paul build a life together. And so now we're kind of like, it's, it's a different kettle of fish to have him return and try and, and split them up. Yeah, definitely. And I think, like you said, you know, Paul's been through a lot and we just want him to be happy. And I think, yeah, like Todd's come back in. He had his chance before. He legged it. So I feel like we just kind of, it's kind of feels like old ground. But, you know, we'll see. Todd's only just warming up. He's only been back a little bit. So things could change over the coming months. Yes, exactly. At the moment, we're for Billy and Paul staying together. But, you know, as always, let us know what you think. Yeah, I think we'll. this should be some... Um, yeah, like that could be too much. Some interesting scenes, especially next week when um, he kind of uh, Todd is getting uh, Paul drunk and and kind of yeah, we shall see see what happens. Um, cool. I think next up we should talk about some Emmerdale storylines. Yep, we, where we have more couples <laughs> on the rocks. Yeah, it, on seem, the line, it seems to be it seems to be the season for it a little bit. Definitely, definitely. So next week's big, big story in Emmerdale, what well, biggest story of the week, is involving our much-loved couple, Kane mm. and Moria. But they're, I mean, they're estranged at the moment, but it's going to be, like I say, make or break for them. So basically, Mackenzie locks them in a barn. Oh, uh, right, yes. Kane is obviously after Jamie Tate. He wants revenge. It's not good. It's not going to end well. I mean, we all want Jamie Tate's comeuppance. Yeah, we do, soon, definitely. But- but whether yeah, it, whether but... whether Cade is the right person to kind of dole that out or not, I think is 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 TBC to be honest. Yeah, exactly. And you know what Cade's got in mind probably isn't isn't okay. <laughs> no. And so yeah, Mackenzie. So they she goes after him. Mackenzie locks them in this barn where they you know they're really given a chance to to sort of lay everything out, yes. discuss everything. I think she really wants him to forgive her for the affair with Nate. Yeah. But you know he had his heart broken, and it's a case of whether he really can put all that behind him but i believe the actors are both rooting for a reunion yeah. and they said that the episode is a really really good one so yeah i think it's um either either way it's going to be good st- it's going to be great tv you know whether it's whether we get the long-awaited kind of reunion that we all want or it's you know whether it's another disappointment i think it will be good it's always good to have them have them in scenes together and, and kind of have them hash this out so yeah we'll have to stay tuned but exciting stuff definitely Definitely. I think Moira really is the love of his yeah. life. So I think, you know, he'd be a fool not to 
give her another chance. We love them. We love yeah, Bria. Exactly. And then, yeah, the other thing, I guess the other kind of more serious storyline for Emmerdale this week is the ongoing situation with Belle. So we know that Belle's been having these auditory hallucinations for a while. She's been hearing Lisa's voice, but it seems like the problems are going to escalate even more next week um, where she has kind of hallucinations of Jamie and and things are getting more intense. Um, And there's some scenes coming up where she appears to kind of go into the woods with a knife without saying too much. I think it's, it's definitely a worrying turn of events for this character and things look pretty rough, pretty dangerous um, for Belle. Yeah. Definitely. And we've got pictures for later in the week showing Kane and Chaz at a hospital, which does sort of hint at a dangerous outcome of some kind. But you'll have to wait and see how that pans out. That's all that's all really sad. Yeah, really, really sad. And um, it's an interesting it's it's, again, it's it's a case of um, I think Emmerdale has been handling this storyline really well. Um, And yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see how it all kind of turns out. But yeah, it's not looking positive, let's say, for the end of next week. Yeah, I mean, this comes back again to what we were saying just now about Peter and his drinking because mm. Belle's mental health problems, yeah. you know, have spanned quite yeah, that's a few very years true. now. She, yeah, and this is just she's had a couple of other relapses, and this is yeah, this is another one. But this, but this one is slightly more serious, as in she, she's come off a medication. No one seems to be fully aware of that, and yeah, we'll have to wait and see what what happens. But um, I think she's doing a great job, Eden. I think she's really, really yeah, I think she's um, really um... smashing those scenes. Yeah. And then, finally, one last little story for Emmerdale. We've got another another Jamie yeah, Tate. Yeah, one, Jamie one last side. little Jamie Tate storyline. Yeah, another Jamie Tate little situation. Yes. We've got Dawn, involving Dawn and her offer to sell herself yeah. to him. Yeah, it's a, it's a funny one. It's kind of like, it's a combination of a few different things. Um, we know that Jamie... Um, thinks that maybe Dawn's back on drugs um, and we'll, we'll know that coming up next week and and he kind of is, is kind of suspicious of her and what she's up to. I think he, um, it's, yeah, it's 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 a funny one. And he basically, he's going to find out that she's been um, arranging, a, kind of sleeping with former clients um, um, in order to make some extra money which is obviously quite shocking for Jamie. Um, and then, yeah, it kind of spirals out from there. Yeah, so she wants to keep him quiet. So she offers herself to him. But I think what's really interesting here is that Jamie's stories seem to be really branching out, affecting a lot yeah. of other people in the village. He's really, really making himself unpopular. So we were wondering... Ah, yes. If, if it could be heading towards like some big whodunit type thing. Because mm. that tends to be... There's always a pattern here when they upset every single person yeah i mean this is pure speculation don't you know don't yeah. don't don't not a spoiler Emmerdale, don't don't come and get us but we do you know <laughs> if you look at the tra- his track record at the moment he's kind of pissed off bell andrea the tates luke wendy dawn will like the list is getting longer and longer yeah. and i think that could i think that's a very astute observation um i do think yeah we'll we'll there's got to be... I mean, he's, we know his comeuppance has got to come at some point. He can't. You can't piss off this many people and not have someone take revenge. And I think we're overdue, a bit, you know, a bit of a whodunit, um, especially in Emmerdale. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd be think, well up yeah. for that. And then, finally, last, but as always, not least, is Hollyoaks, where, again, we've got these stories really, really taking off in the lead-up to Christmas Mm. and, more importantly, the New Year's Eve episode where we're finally going to get some answers about the flash-forward episode we saw last year. So we have sort of a... There's going to be finally some sort of discovery over what's been going on with the teens in the county line story. I think Nancy gets everyone together, or the mums of the village, so Mandy, Marnie and tells them the signs to watch out for when yeah. it comes to drugs and I think Marnie instantly recognises a lot of those yeah the stuff with Juliet in Juliet yeah exactly yeah it's um it's I mean I think lots of people myself included are like it's about time like so someone's noticed that stuff's going Finally. stuff's not not right um yeah good old Nancy get kind of gets the gang together to say listen you know we there's, there's a problem here and we need to kind of find a way to to, to notice it and yeah it's um it's interesting to choose I think we were saying it's interesting that um so we're gonna have some scenes where Marnie confronts Victor. 
course. Which is a big, big deal. And it's quite an interesting choice to make that, make it Marnie be the character, the first kind of um, adult character to kind of ha- be in this situation. Because I think lots of fans of the show will know that, like, uh, Marnie's kind of like quite a comedic character. Um, she the, sometimes she can be quite like over the top. She's quite a funny kind of bubbly character. You know, she shouts at French, shouts in French. Everyone in the patisserie, like, uh, it, and, and we love her for that. And, and this would be a really interesting chance to see a more serious side of her, which we haven't seen in a while. Yeah, definitely. She could be a bit cartoonesque, can't yeah. she, uh, Marnie? But I, I'm a big fan of her. But yeah, she's going to be taking on Victor, and I think you know she's going to be left very, very shaken yeah. by what he says in retaliation. I mean, he's not someone to be messed with, as we've seen you with know, Sid and Juliet in the past. And yeah, she, I think she kind of thinks, you know, I can handle this. Yeah. I, you know, I'm going to give him a warning. He's going to stay away from Juliet. You know, I've got this. But actually, she really, really hasn't. Yeah. And she really, really doesn't want to be on his bad there. side. No, he's he's a kind of, yeah. you know, big villain for the show. And I think it's, um, it's, a, it's a risky situation that she's getting herself into. So we'll have to see how it all uh, shakes out. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, no, like you say, it's nice to see a more serious side to her again. It's been a long time since we have, but yeah, it's um, it might not be good. <laughs> and then finally, with Hollyoaks, we've got the return of Peter. Yeah. So Nadine um, uh, Mulcairin has, has come back to the show. She's been off um, for a year because of maternity leave. Um, and yeah, we're very excited to have her back on our screens, as always. Yeah, she's great. So she's like um, Teresa. She's going to be coming back amid this ongoing. Mm. I mean, it just never ends, does it? This situation with the doll, with um, the blackmail. So she comes back. She's very zen. She's very chill. She's very, I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm a new person. She doesn't want any beef with Mitchell or Scott. Yeah. And, but the thing is, is like, is her, is her, is this new Cleo a legit and B could, could she be? Could she be responsible mm. for the blackmail? I very much doubt it. I'm not going to lie. I just don't think she's got it in her. She's not. She's a sweet. She's a sweet soul, isn't she? I don't yeah. think she's got a a villain aside. But you know, yeah. who knows? The timing. Yeah, exactly. Seem. And I think this is what Hollyoaks want us to think, right? With this storyline, is they're kind of setting all these people up to be. You know, is this the person that's helping Silas? Um, so yeah, it's another another kind of question mark there, um, and it's interesting because yeah. I think like we're going to see next week, especially Cleo's return, kind of sparks lots of other storylines and gives new angles for lots of lots of people. Yes, especially with Mitchell yeah. and Scott. So we are this is all paving the way for his exit, which we won't we can't talk about at the moment. But I think Imran, we know Imran Adams is leaving mm. the show, which means the stakes are high here because. Cleo's return is going to sort of bring back all of the issues that they've had with Walter and, you know, Walter's very antiquated views on marriage and children, I think. So, so he, yeah, yeah he sees be... he sees Cleo's return as like, oh, this will be, you know, Mitchell can have his get, have a real family again and get his life, you know, back to what I want it to be. And obviously, that's not what we as, as viewers want, and obviously, a hundred percent not what um, Mitchell and Scott want. So that'll be a, yeah, an, an interesting new kind of um, new thing for them to tackle. Yeah, and I think Scott on the back of all this, Scott starts talking about adoption. Yeah. You know, he wants a family with Mitchell, and it all seems like it could, you know, it could. Could be happily ever after, but at the same time, it's like if something does happen to Mitchell, we know he's leaving. Could Scott and his family think that, you know, he simply freaked mm, out and left? Yeah. But, you know, again, this is speculation. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. It's just, it seems. It, it does. It's interesting. I think we're at this point with lots of. We talked about it earlier with different soaps. Like when you have a kind of character's exit looming, when we know it's coming, you can't help but start to think, mm, well, maybe this would be, you know, this would be a good excuse or this would be justification or this would be why maybe people wouldn't chase after him um and yeah there's definitely something here i think with with the a few mitchell storylines that are all kind of coming together um as him and has to leave the show yeah because he also finds this is this is this is very crucial Mm. he finds lisa's body and gets cornered by toby we know that toby was responsible for lisa's death back in september but yeah this all ties in with cleo's return walter's latest issues and Scott's plans for adoption so it's all sort of coming yeah to it's a big it's going to be a big week for, for um, Mitchell is what we're saying I think um, yeah we'll leave it there yeah. But yeah, but yeah definitely definitely one to watch over the coming weeks absolutely um, and on that note that's everything we've got time for for our spoilers um, let us know um, 
on social uh, what you're kind of most excited for about the storylines that we discussed. Is there anything that you think um, your soaps are handling particularly well or think they could be handling a bit better at the moment? Um, we'd love to hear from you. Um, and you can do that. You can reach out to us on social um, at Soapscoop on Twitter and uh, at facebook.com forward slash digital spy soaps um, on Facebook. And you can kind of read up on all of the spoilers that we talked about um, by heading over to digitalspy.com forward slash soaps. Um, and yeah, get in touch. You know, we love um, hearing from you um, kind of the things that you're interested in. So let us know for sure. Yep. And as always, subscribe to get to the episodes as they land, 8 a.m. every Friday. Leave us a review. Leave us five stars, please. <laughs> and we'll be back next week. Stay safe. Stay warm. Stay positive if you can. Yeah. I know it's a tricky month. Definitely. But... Yeah. Well, next week we've got, um, we're speaking, uh, it's next week is all about the Inside Soap Awards. Um, so we'll be talking to the people organising that. So if you're interested in knowing what kind of a, an award show, a big glitzy soaps award show looks like in 2020, um, definitely come back next week to, to hear all about that. Yep. And you can let us know who you want to win, mm. who you think's going to win. We'll be going to be having, yeah, we're going to have some great chats. Definitely. All about that. Okay. Well, we shall see you next week, guys. Bye. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.